You are listening to the Community Podcast, episode 139. Reverend Doug Baker continues our series on stewardship titled, What's Mine Is. This week's message is titled, Desire of Our Heart. If you'd like to learn more, please visit comref.org. Welcome back, folks. Today is the second week of three when we get to talk about stewardship here at Community Reform Church. Um, Last Sunday, Pastor Andrew introduced this, said we would be exploring the topic of stewardship, not just about money, but uh, we also get to talk just about money. Um, So he let me do that. He said, I'm going to do all the just general stuff. You talk about the actual money stuff. I said, uh, which is a word I learned from my sons. Uh. Now... The reason we need to talk about this, the reason that this is very important to talk about, is because Jesus talked about it. Jesus talked about money a lot. He talked about it more than he talked about heaven and hell combined. He talked about money more than he talked about love. Did you know that? 11 out of 39 parables are about stewardship and money. So it's important. The reason Jesus talked about it so much is because God talked about it so much. All throughout our Bibles, over 2,000 verses dedicated specifically to the purpose, to the teaching, to the truth when it comes to, can you guess? Money. I gave you a hint. So we're going to talk about it. And we're not going to talk about it because money is of paramount importance to the infinite God of the universe. Money isn't really just about money. When God talks about it, what he's trying to get at is he's trying to get at what's going on underneath it. What are the motivations? What are the real things? What are, what are the, 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 the hidden things that need to be called out into the light? And so today, our passage for today is a snippet of one of the things that God has to say about money that gets to the heart of it all. And I say that specifically, the heart of it all, because this passage is about our hearts in relation to money. We're going to be in the Old Testament. God says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, one verse, verse 10. He's very clear about it. Hear God's word. Whoever loves money never has enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with their income. This too is meaningless. Grass withers, the flowers fade, the word of God endures forever. Now, I love this passage because uh, last week we were in 1 Timothy. Pastor Andrew was preaching on it. He, he quoted that uh, often misunderstood, misquoted verse. Uh, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And if you look at this Ecclesiastes passage, you can suddenly be like, whoa, maybe Paul was thinking about this when he wrote that. Very well could be. Don't know for sure. Can't ask him. We'll have to wait until eternity. He'll let us know. But this is something that's going on in God's word. There is a focus on the love of money in the Bible because we need to talk about what we love. Now, I'm going to give you just a heads up on what this message is going to be about. I am not going to be here telling you what you need to spend your money on or how you should feel guilty about what's going on with your money. I'm not here to give you permission on anything. I'm not here to do any of that. I'm not here to condemn or criticize As Marin prayed at the very outset of our time together today, we're going to be talking about awareness. We're going to be talking about making sure we're keeping our eyes on the facts, the true things that are going on. We need to know 
when it comes to finances, when it comes to stewardship, when it comes to the stuff we have and the stuff that we use to live life, to serve God, all this stuff, we need to know what motivates us. We need to know why. And we need to get purposeful. And this is going to be my challenge. I'm giving you a heads up. You're going to hear me say this. And you're going to be like, okay, he just got done preaching. I'm out of here. We need to get purposeful about choosing why we do what we do with our stuff because what we do with our stuff can change our hearts too. It's not just a reflection of our hearts, what we do with our stuff. It's also something that we can fashion, we can shape. And so today we're going to be talking about awareness. One of the ways the Bible talks about what people love, one of the things we're going to talk about today, um, so we understand, so we're aware of, of stewardship and, and all that kind of stuff. One of the ways the Bible talks about what we love is when it uh, discusses the desires of our hearts. I'm going to read a passage to you from the Psalms, and uh, you're going to hear a beautiful promise. This is from Psalms 37. Uh, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. That's that's a tantalizing promise. And it's vague. It doesn't say what the desires of your heart are. It doesn't say what God will give you. It just says that he will give you the desires of your heart. It's meant to be vague because it lets us, as the people, interacting, having a conversation with God through his word, to fill in the blanks. What did you think of? When you heard a promise from God that you will have the desires of your heart, what like popped into your head? What's the desire of your heart? Do you think of something? You're like, whoa. All right. Well, if you didn't, I'm going to stop speaking for just a couple seconds. This is partly why I wanted you to, I said I'd stop speaking, and then I just went ahead and stopped it. <laughs> Give a preacher a microphone. This is part of why I wanted at your discussion, one of the options was, if you had three wishes, what would one of those be? What are the desires of your heart? Every one of us is going to think of something because there are things inside of us that we yearn for, that we need, that we desire. Um, And it's different for everyone, which is okay. Um, Everybody has something they highly value. What is it for you? We don't get to talk about those things very often. Um, The desires of our hearts, they seem kind of out there, the desires of our hearts. Uh, Because real life happens. Real life is happening right now. We've got responsibilities. We've got things that are going on. It's Mother's Day. We're probably already starting to think about what's happening for lunch. Are we going to try and get into this place? It's going to be really busy. It's like the the number one going out to eat day all year long. Used to work as a cook in restaurants. Hated Mother's Day. (laughs) Because not only is it busy... But everything has to be perfect. So you probably got all kinds of things going on. This is life. Life lands on us with both feet and it occupies a lot of our attention, a lot of our time, a lot of our focus. We don't have time to think about great metaphysical realities like the desires of our hearts. Man, I got to pay the bills. I got to go do this thing over here. My lawn needs to be mowed. And this thing that's happening in my shed, the electricity is not even working. I don't understand why. And I tried to plug it in and it's not working. Life. Life happens. 
It keeps us occupied, which means that the bigger questions aren't things that we often get time to ask. But we need to. Because life can beat us into submission. There are important things going on underneath. We need to know what is motivating us because those things that motivate us sneak in and help us make decisions. There are reasons we do things that we don't even know why. And, and we have to take time to kind of reflect on it. Where did that come from? Why is that normal? It's normal for me. It's not normal for you. I, there are things that I won't do in my life. There are things that I will do. And they're different than yours. But that's because of how I was raised. We all have motivating factors, things that come from our upbringing, things that come from our fears, things that come from great moments that were just spectacular and we want to relive it over and over and over again. Let me give you an example from my own life. When I was a kid, I grew up poor and uh, treats were not very common in my house. Um, things that said hostess on them um, didn't happen very often. When they did, you made the most of it. And you made the most of it fast because there were two siblings. And if Joel decided that he wanted an extra one, then I lose out. So, uh-uh, ain't going to happen. My share, boom, Normal. Some of you know about my Twinkie problem. I've shared this with the folks from Ben Time when I was a pastor there. They're aware. Which is crazy. I told them I had this Twinkie problem. And then guess what? Everybody was giving me for a long time. <laughs> oh, ironic. So you would think after you grow up, suddenly I have an abundance of resources. I can have hostess in my house anytime that I want. Guess what happens when I get a box of hostess in the house? In one sitting. <laughs> Ever eaten 12 ding-dongs? <laughs> it ain't pretty. <laughs> now, why is that normal? It's because there's something going on down in here. That this thing that a reasonable person in life would know, no, you don't do that. It is a part of my life. There are hidden motivating factors we all have. And unless we ask the question, unless we're willing to examine, we don't know what's going on. We just do what we do. We kind of live on autopilot. We have a subconscious influence on, on what we're willing to do or what we're unwilling to do or other things that we think of as normal. So now I'm going to talk a little bit about uh, subconscious autopilot. I said this word autopilot. I'm going to kind of go off on what might seem like a tangent, but I promise it's going to come back around. So you trust me? Good. I was just waiting for somebody to go, no. That would have been funny. Andrew, you missed it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Do you trust me? No. Tough. <laughs> oh. So... There are certain things, certain ways that we do things that, that we just, we, we, we run on autopilot. We don't really think a lot about it. We just do it. Uh, this is a normal part of human existence. In fact, it's an important part of human existence. Uh, um, it's necessary because if we as human beings had to pay attention to every detail of everything that's going on all the time, our heads would like pop. So we need this autonomous system to navigate reality. Uh, I read an article, uh, this gal was, was curious about uh, the neuroscience of it. So she grabbed a neuroscientist and they went in the car and they went for a drive. And as she's driving along, she's got this brain guy talking to her. And suddenly it occurs to her that driving is an infinitely complex reality. 
ask somebody who's just got their learner's permit, drive with somebody who's just got their learner's permit, and you as the passenger screaming for your life will realize it's far more complicated than it is for us who've been doing it for a long time. And she's driving along. She's having a conversation. She's talking. She's listening. She's uh, watching the road. She's signaling, steering. She has a manual, so she's working a clutch. She's shifting gears. She's looking for the lights. She's making sure she's in her lane, those micro little changes with the steering wheel. She's not pressing the accelerator too hard. She's not pressing the brake too hard. Everything's going off. And she's just like, wow. And this guy's pointing these things out to her. And she's like, I'm amazing. And he goes, no, you're not. You just have a fully functioning human brain. Because we need it. We need this or we go insane. There are two memory systems that are happening inside of us at all times. One is called the declarative system. This is the one where we're consciously aware of things, where we are making choices for ourselves. We're aware of the details. We're paying attention. And we're, we're, we're cognitively engaged. Declarative system. The other is called the habitual system. It's autopilot. It's actually faster. It's muscle memory. It's the kind of stuff where, where you, you just, you're heading over here, you're doing this thing over here, and, and you don't even have to think about it anymore. I drive back and forth to Community Reformed Church from my house in Hamilton every single day. Do you think I remember stopping at every stop sign? But I did. I did. <laughs> it just happens. This is good this is important. This is how God made us. He created this habitual memory system in us because it is more efficient, because it's faster. It makes our lives livable without getting trapped up in the details all the time. It's a good thing when it's used on the things that are appropriate. But there are things that are important enough that autopilot is not a good thing. It isn't healthy to just live on habit. What should those things be? What should get our declarative memory? What deserves our focus in more active, purposeful ways? How about something Jesus talked about more than he talked about love? We need to spend time in our lives focusing our attention on our stewardship, because it matters. It matters. It matters because God says it matters. It matters because of, of how it affects us. It changes us, the habits we get into when we're not thinking about it cognitively, purposefully. And it reveals truth. There's a revelation that comes if we're willing to pay attention to what happens with our stuff, the desires of our hearts, you know how money is linked to the heart's desire? It's really simple. One of the most key ways. You want to know one of the, if you're wondering, like, okay, so you want me to know the desires of my hearts? How am I going to figure it out? I'll give you, this is, this is the, the, the test right here. Go look at your checkbook. You will know the desires of your heart. Go look at the record of transactions that are online because you don't keep a physical checkbook like some of us who are old. And you will know what matters to you. And as you read through it, you might be surprised at how little of the things you think should matter are and how many are the things that really shouldn't. We need to be paying attention. 
That's how we know where our desires are. And that's why Jesus talked about money so much. Not because the money itself matters, but because of the truth it reveals. And what Jesus wanted more than anything else is that God's people would make the choice, that we would, we would be all living on purpose, this, this life that God has given us, that we would know what we're investing in and, and choose what we stand for and, and use our resources in ways that actually reflect the things that we think are healthy and appropriate and good for human life. We need to be purposeful about our, our heart's desires because not only, uh, um, and, and how we steward our stuff, because not only is, does this re, is that reflected, the truth reflected um, of what our heart desire is and how we use our money, but how we use our money will shape us as well. And we want to be mature Christians. You know, we want to grow up. It says that in Ephesians 4, Paul says this. I'm going to read this to you. Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers, and pastors to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Not just the part, not just this little piece over here, or that piece over there, the whole measure of the fullness of Christ then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves blown here and there by every wind and teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. We want lives that matter, make a difference, are powerful, Reflect Christ's priorities. We don't want to be swept here and there by our emotions, our weird teachings, or the power of the popular. Now, again, I'm not here to tell you what your heart's desire should be. But I do want to make a case that we should be choosing based on what we know is true from God's word. We want to be choosing what we should pour ourselves out into. Because we are fully capable of shaping and choosing and determining the desires of our hearts. We can choose what to love. Why? Because love is not an emotion. It's not a reaction. Love, biblically, is a verb. Which means you choose it. It is an action of will. And that means you have a responsibility. The hidden desires of our hearts only rule us as they stay hidden. Bring things into the light and you can deal with them. You can confront them. You can change them. We have the power to turn our declarative memory and mind toward what's going on. Bring things into the light which gives us the ability to decide. Will this be the desire of my heart? Will I prioritize this? Or is it time to stop? Will I serve money? Or will my money serve God? Will I serve vacation time or rest? Or will my rest and vacation serve God? Will I serve snacks 
Wait a minute, he's serving, he's serving snacks? No, no, I'm not serving snacks. Will I serve snacks? Or strangely enough, will my Twinkies serve God? A pastor just said that from the pulpit. It is a purposeful decision that we make when we choose what to focus on and how it affects our experience of reality. We get to choose what fills our windshield and how we see things. Quick story to illustrate this. The only time I ever came close to crashing when I was riding a motorcycle was one day I was heading down to Sioux City, Iowa to make a pastoral visit. And as I'm cruising along, I was wearing a helmet, (laughs) which in Iowa is not legally mandated. And my visor was down, and as I'm trucking along, suddenly a bug went, and stuck there. And I went, hmm? And I'm looking at this bug, thinking if I put my head this way and the wind is flapping, maybe it'll fly off. And if I do this, maybe it'll fly off. Because if I wipe it, it's just going to smear. And then I can't see anything. So I'm busy driving along on a motorcycle, 60 miles an hour, doing this thing. And when my eyes focused back on the road, I realized I was going off the side into the shoulder, the gravel shoulder at 60 miles an hour, which is very fast. And the adrenaline went boom. Now, not to spoil it, I didn't die. I didn't crash. I, it was close. But I, I allowed my focus to be deviated to something that just swelled up and just occupied my whole vision. I wasn't keeping my eyes on the road where they belonged. Now this, in contrast to an experience I had just a couple of weeks ago, driving into Colorado Springs, my brother and I were heading out there a couple of weeks ago to scatter our dad's ashes on Pikes Peak. And as you're heading into Colorado Springs, you're heading west, and you come, you're inching closer on this high plain, and suddenly the mountains begin to appear on the horizon. And at Colorado Springs, the mountains are quite formative. But as you're coming into Colorado Springs, one thing that you see towering above all of it is Pikes Peak. It is majestic. It fills the windshield. And yet, it's still easy to keep your eyes on the road, not lose control. Somehow this beautiful, great, powerful, majestic thing is there and you can't miss it and it's always there and the road is there and you can be a responsible driver at the same time. The truth reflected in Ecclesiastes 5 is one of perspective and where we choose to put our focus. How are we going to choose to live life? Are we going to choose to look for that small thing that's like right there And if we focus on it, it might just kill us. Or do we keep our eyes on the grand picture, the amazing beauty that should occupy our vision and never really requires us to give up the big picture as well? What fills our windshield? Is it small or is it grand? We get to choose. This is the beautiful thing that Jesus tells us over and over again in all these Bible passages about the desires of our hearts. God tells us again and again and again, you get to choose You get to choose, choose. Will you store up treasures in heaven? Or will you store up treasures on earth? Choose. 
Will you rejoice in the Lord's strength and receive his abundance? Or will you depend on your own strength and then just receive what you can provide for yourselves? Choose. Will you call on the Lord and be fulfilled? Or will you do life yourself and stay empty? I'm paraphrasing Bible verses in asking those questions. It's Matthew and a couple of verses from the Psalms. Now, again, I'm not bringing this stuff up as a criticism or to create guilt. I just want to bring into the light things that often stay hidden. Because when we bring things into the light, we can be purposeful about them. And because we worship an unlimited, infinite God who gives amazing gifts, and I so much want for, for, for me and for you, that our heart's desires are reflections of who he is instead of who we are. Because we need to know, we need to know why we use our resources the way we do. Because I don't know if anybody's ever told you this or if anybody's ever said this to you before, but you need to know this. How we use our stuff, how we spend our money, tells everyone who sees us what we value and makes strong statements that everybody can read this is what I believe about God. So let's just choose to make those statements on purpose. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your mercy, for your grace, for your encouragement, and for filling our windshields with beauty and never asking us to give up the ability to be good and responsible and alive um, so that your glory can be known. Um, help us to ask the questions, to dig, so that we can know why, why it is we do what we do, so we can understand the desires of our hearts, so they can bring, be brought out into the open, and then we can, if, they're, they're, if they need to be, we can shift them so that they are desires that shine the light on Jesus Christ and reveal who you are more than they say anything about us. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.